This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media and I am so excited to welcome to our channels today. I would like to think a very familiar face for those leaders and aspiring leaders who are looking to enhance their mindset. This is Andrew Silito and you are going to introduce yourself to our audience as to what you do. Go for it Andrew, how are you today? Hi Leisha, thank you so much for inviting me on here today. Very welcome. Uh, well, I'm doing introduction, am I? To, yes. To, Tell I, us who I, you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name's Andrew Silito. I'm a business psychologist, former international athlete and coach. And my main focus is, is working with leaders. And, and more recently, I guess in the last three years, focusing on balanced living in a, in a complex world, uh, which is something very close to my heart. And then we also have a leadership development consultancy business that we run. So I kind of straddling both sides. And, uh, and very much our leadership business is very much focused on recruitment. So we, we, we niche in recruitment. You do. And, you know, as someone, I've, I follow your lives, your videos are, you know, that it's just, for me, it's that one hit motivation on a sort of daily, weekly basis. I think that anyone who is following you would absolutely agree with that. And the reason I wanted to invite you on here today is I think, you know, we're going to talk about this particularly, your experience around, you know, making sure leaders have that holistic view of their life to make sure that they're well looked after, as well as looking after their teams. Because I think we talked about this off camera very often, you know, the, the leader's well-being is kind of forgotten about because it's all about focusing on profit and, prof and productivity. But actually, it all starts with you as that leader. So first and mm -hmm. foremost, let's set some context, because I think you know, you help leaders effectively start, scale, and then hopefully sell their businesses if that's their aim without burning out. So just to sort of start us off, why do, why do leaders burn out in the first place? Why does this happen? It's a good question. Get stuck straight into that. So I think there, there are a couple of things that, that cause burnout, but if, if we just kind of look at it from one perspective and then we'll, we'll look at it from a recruitment perspective, because I okay. think it's some of the things that we'll talk about are very unique to recruitment. Okay. Um, the, the challenge we have with burnout, you know, no one gets burnt out doing what they love for the most part. I mean, people do, maybe they go, they go push themselves a little bit too far. Uh, they, they burn the candle at both ends and so on. And, and maybe, um, but no one gets burnt out going for a cup of coffee. You know, it's just, as long as we're having fun and we're, we're having, you know, enjoying some level of purpose to it. Where I see burnout is when we thing and we think we should be doing something else. So whether that is personal versus professional, you know, we're out with a client, but we feel like we should put in the kids to bed, right? Or we are having lunch with our family, but we think we should be on the laptop doing some work. You know, our mind's just getting pulled in, in different directions. And we're thinking about all these different things. That's one thing. The other thing I think biggest challenge, particularly for small to medium size recruitment businesses. And I like it. I mean, recruitment's like sports in so many ways, but if we look at it, from a, a kind of organizational perspective, majority of business owners in recruitment are the GM of the club. You know, think of a football club, they're the GM. Mm -hmm. Then they're the team head coach. So they're managing the team. And then they're jumping on the pitch and trying to score goals because they're billing as yeah. well. And, and I think that is the biggest challenge when it comes to scaling is that they either love being on the pitch still and they can't let go of that. Uh, they haven't necessarily developed the leadership skills to be the head coach or even the strategic skills to think, you know, do the macro work because, uh, you know, and it's, it's the same for a lot of people. They're, they're, one day you're a consultant 
billing and the next day you're running a business of 50 people and it's like how did this happen yeah. you know mm. so you're kind of thinking about all these where do i take the business new offices new new markets and we're trying to do that strategic work then we're trying to deal with the challenge of getting the team aligned and mm. organized and identifying new leaders to help scale and then we're still managing clients and so there are a number of things number of things i think that that in itself leads to burnout yeah so I'm, I'm exhausted just listening to you yeah um, I mean, it's, it's a lot it, to think about isn't it? it it gives me anxiety for those people that are, are doing those things and actually i think the analogy is so effective because when you think about it it's just ridiculous how can you expect to be the yeah. top goal scorer and still be that one strategically looking at you know where, where's where's the opposition playing and what do we need to do and where where are we in the league and, and thinking ahead you can't possibly do all those things and not at some point burn out so I think that is a is a very effective way for people who are listening to stop and think. Right, who am I in that game? Where where am I? And where do well, I? That's it. It's, you're right. It's it's that ability to step back because, by the way, sometimes that's what has to happen. We have to work at those three different levels to to get the business to where we want to get it to. Then you yeah. get the right leaders in place, and then you can step away and yeah. delegate stuff and and so on. But um, but I think you're right. It's it's about taking a step back and saying, well, which hat am I wearing right now? And that's my challenge often as a as a coach is to say to the leadership team, which hat are you wearing? Because you're talking about operational stuff. You're talking about a consultant who's not hit target this month. And then the next thing you're talking about is, well, where should we open office up? Should we go to open office up in Austin? You know, it's like, well, you can't have that. You can't have that conversation in the same meeting. You know, it's either we're talking about or just don't have that conversation about the consultant who's not billing, you know, just keep it at this leadership level and then allow your, your team leaders to be managing those conversations. And mm. so it, it's about really challenging ourselves around that, that table to say, which conversation should we be having right now, which is going to be the one that moves us forward or are we getting too deep into the weeds here? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think very often, I mean, you know, we, I know we come at it from a different way, but we're speaking to the same leaders effectively. And I think one of the biggest headaches for any, um, certainly owner managed business is succession planning and that the ability to delegate. I mean, I have this conversation all the time where you've got, you know, someone who's effectively a CEO, they've grown the business from their bedroom, you know, it's very successful, no doubt, you know, they're doing really well, but they don't, they can't quite let go. They can't quite let go of the reins and they still enjoy the business development. They still enjoy getting their hands dirty, so to speak. And then they look for that in each of their leaders. But that's where I think, you know, that that level of genuine burnout happens. And I think particularly yep. since March 2020, where on a totally different level, that, that burnout has just become, you know, I mean, it's it, that's a pandemic in itself, isn't it? I, I, I think so. And I think that um, the analogy we use often when it comes to letting go, we, we talk about the, uh, the accountant who decided to start his or her own business, right? So they're really good at accounting. They start their own business and they still do the bookkeeping and they get really annoyed that they're doing the bookkeeping, you know, but then they're saying, we say, well, you shouldn't be doing the bookkeeping because you're the CEO. Yeah, but I've got an accountancy background and I can do this, you know, but yeah. you're, you're doing a piece of work that's 25 pounds an hour. You're, you know, you should be billing yourself out or, you know, excellent, mm. you know, that, and, and not complain about it. And, CEOs and recruitment do the same. You know, it's the same as them going out and being a consultant and dealing with those clients or doing the, the, the onboarding or, you know, I had a CEO of a company that's got 60 people talking about, um, I've got to make sure I'm available for the new starters. I'm like, well, yeah. at some point you've got to let go of that. As much as yeah. it, it feels good, mm -hmm. you ask yourself how much of it feels good versus actually 
uh, being better for the business. Yeah. And in the same conversation, you're complaining because you don't have time with your family. You know, so we, 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 we've got to, you've got to let go of something here, like you say. Yeah, we wrote no. a book called Let Go because, you know, on for CEOs and, that, and that's it. It's just blank pages and just two words, let go, because that, that is the biggest challenge, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I don't know if you, you felt this with your, um, when, you, when you're obviously coaching your leaders, but I certainly find this, that a lot of them have become accidental heroes of their own success. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so going back to something you said at the very start of, of your introduction is, is establishing that purpose and that why, which sometimes they're at loggerheads, that purpose and why of who, why you set your business up in the first place. And then it's grown, it's exponentially grown. You've been really successful. You've now got 50, 60 people and you know, you should extract yourself. You shouldn't be interviewing starters. You shouldn't be business developing. You've got to have a more strategic view, but actually your why is still, you enjoy all those things. So how, how does a leader then ensure that there isn't a conflict? So almost of what their purpose is versus where the business is right now so yeah. they don't then hold hold it back well there are a lot of moving parts there aren't there there's the yeah. just because you're the top goal scorer doesn't mean you're going to make a great great leader or gm even yeah. it's not even just being the head coach you know we see yeah. that in the meritocracy you know mm-hmm. you're a top builder so we're going to make your team leader but to be a top performing consultant and then become the gm of the business or the team of the club is is a, is a huge difference i think that um Everything we're talking about, the listeners listening to us are going, yeah, of course, I get it. I get it. You know, intellectually, people get it. You know, it makes absolute sense. But an emotional level is very, very hard to let go. So I often like um, Ben Hunt Davis's uh, analogy around, will it make my boat go faster? And and if if, if we're doing things, you know, me working on this particular topic or project or objective, is it helping me make the boat go faster? Is it helping me get to the, the goal and, and if people can be really honest with themselves, for the most part, they probably say it's not helping and I need to let go of that and, and trust people and, and, and also recognize that your team leaders are never going to be ready in your eyes, right? Yeah. They're, never, they're never ready. The only time they get ready is when you give them 12 months to, to do the work and get better and develop and, yeah. and mess up and, and, and have your mentoring there that's non-judgmental to support them through that that process to put to have faith in them and and every locker room needs a captain and assistant captains every locker room has skeptics who challenge the tactics and and your point about succession planning every every leader needs to start thinking about that and, and even team leaders you know your billing managers who are mm-hmm. um you know have just got into coaching people they also need to be thinking about who are their captains and yeah, who's going to manage the culture when you're not around and because that's the only way to, to grow and scale and, and open up. Otherwise, everybody becomes just a bottleneck in the business. Yeah. And, and a 50, 60 person business can easily become a 20 person business overnight. You know, we see it all the time because the cracks appear, people get annoyed, they get upset, they're not getting support. The new starter has been twiddling his or her thumbs for yeah, six months absolutely. and not any support, all of that stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what, I'm checking out. Yeah. And the whole thing just crumbles and then you have to rebuild. And I think we've got such a wonderful opportunity now coming out the back of covid over the next 10 to 15 years 10 to 12 years to really have some focus and and make a difference but it's getting those it's everything we've talked about it's putting the macro hat on and looking outwards it's making sure you've got a, a solid group of team leaders who can mm-hmm. do the operational stuff and, um, and make sure that they're developing leaders that they're investing in everybody should be investing in leadership whether, whether you're a leader by title or not but we should all be stepping up and acting and looking and feeling like like leaders in the business and then and then you you see this thing grow yeah it's great 
Definitely. And that leads very nicely into your one of your key elements and your key brands, which is the four keys method. So first and foremost, what exactly is that? Because I think this is going to really cement what we've just been talking about. We interrupt this episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to bring you a message from our wonderful sponsors over at Hoxo Media. Now, recruitment agencies invest heavily in LinkedIn licenses because ultimately it's where we're all at. Given that we spend an average one to two hours a day on our phones, the rest of the time is spent scrolling through LinkedIn, looking for unicorn candidates and target clients. Now, if we look at the recruitment training programs that are available, they tend to be focused around outbound phone sales and leadership skills. So how do you, our listener, maximize the huge investment of time and money that is spent on LinkedIn? Well, this is where Hoxo Media is solving this problem for hundreds of recruitment agencies, and we want to share this message with you. Their academy program allows recruiters across the globe being coached in how to optimize their LinkedIn profile, creating daily habits for building out that unbelievable audience, that target audience, where they're producing their own valuable content that engages the right people and ultimately drives content into inbound sales conversations. As I mentioned, they're working with hundreds of recruitment agencies and there are over 300 recruiters every month enrolling on the academy which enables them to increase their knowledge in how to basically develop the best content and maximize the results from LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, the testimonies have been absolutely incredible. So by enrolling in the academy with just one single payment, you can train your entire business for 12 months, which is why I'm so excited to share this message with you, our listener. So if you're a traditional recruiter like me, and you're an owner of a business or you've got teams working for you who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates, then really you do need to listen to this message and get in touch. You might find that you are using LinkedIn, but perhaps just for sharing jobs on there and you struggle generally for um, original content ideas and ultimately the confidence to actually know what is going to be good content for driving that inbound business. So I would love you to speak to Hoxo Media. Drop me a DM either on the link on this message on this episode or send me a WhatsApp and I can give you more information on how your agency can benefit from joining this program. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So the four keys method was was born out of a a, cri- a personal crisis, if you like, because <laughs> I mean, if, if we if we go back, my you know, it's always been on my mind about health and well-being. You know, I've been in a sports background and so health and fitness has always been something that came up when I spoke to leaders, even over the last 15 years. And obviously, I have a master's in organizational psychology and, you know, so the business side was always there. I'd always worked in, in that environment, mindset because of sports. And I trained as a hypnotherapist back in 2006. I thought I was going to work with golfers and I was working with traders in the city and doing all that work. And But I never talked about relationships. It was always on my mind that as a business owner or even, even as an athlete, that if the, if the relationship was starting to unravel or fall apart or there, were, there was tension in the relationship, it would affect the performance in the game or affect the business, the leadership. And, and it wasn't until, and, and I mean, to take a step back and a lot of people know this story anyway, but my father died of a sudden heart attack aged 48. You know, he, one minute, you know he, we made a lot of money. Then the 1990 crash happened, the property crash, and then three years later, he died of a heart attack. Oh. And, you know, it was stress and anxiety, but also the, all the things that come with it, bad health, bad health choices, 
kind of a self-destruct, if you like, you know, and and that and that really worried me, concerned me last year, you know, that people would kind of go into the self-destruct or, yeah. or feel come out of this thing traumatized. And Definitely. so that that bothered me a lot. Um, but it was actually 2017 when the, the four keys came about because by that time I'd, I'd written my first book. I'd, I was traveling around the world. I had two gold medals around my neck from the work I was doing with Team GB. I was being flown around the world, business class, giving talks on, you know, how to create a high performance culture with Pfizer, Ericsson, Axis, PPP. I mean, I was just, it was like, I was living the dream. And then uh, I came home one day and my wife's bags were packed and she said, I didn't sign up for this, you know, and, and took the kids off. And um, we, I mean, that was the short version, but we, we separated yeah. uh, and it really hit me. And I, I started sharing this with some of my clients, actually. I started saying, like, clients I knew well, and and they were like, man, it's, it's just tough, you know, to, we, it's so hard to keep this, and not not just men, but, you know, female entrepreneurs who are, perhaps carry even more guilt because they feel like they should be at home because of their, you know, perhaps yeah. a more maternal instinct or whatever without getting into that. But, um, the, so that was coming about a lot. And then I just started saying this business, body, relationships, mindset, business body relations mindset and then I kind of gave this talk in a conference and I just announced this four keys and that was the end of 2017 people started hashtagging it and I was like oh there's something in this you know and and then I I pulled together a a group of business owners about eight of us and we committed to a 90-day game plan right and we said we're going to wake up meet every morning at 5 30 a.m we're going to meditate we're going to um, work out we're going to set targets in our relationships and and we just started kind of creating this this concept and then I people started feeding back to me saying this is changing my life you know my relationship is improving I feel better at work um, so we refined it and refined it and refined it now what we have we call it the 10 daily habits but we, we do these 10 daily habits every day um, and one of those habits is setting four key intentions every day so what am I doing today in my business body relationships and mindset and um, and so it's evolved over the last blimey it's gone quick four years i wrote a book called the four keys amazing that was published in 2019 and and it's just it's just gone from there and i, and I have a mastermind and it's just a, a really good group of business owners who are holding each other accountable against okay. these four keys and that's it and actually and again something else that we talked about before we we went live was that you know, very often leaders don't share vulnerability and we are human beings at the end of the day. We have relationships. The relationships we have as in a business context, we will work, we will, you know, develop, we will invest in. Well, why on earth wouldn't we do that with our personal relationships, with our partners, with our children, with our yeah. siblings, with our friends and, and the whole, the way that you've wedded it together. I, I think it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's like these four pillars, isn't it? Of what makes you a human being. But I like the fact yeah, that you're each other accountable. So you've got a community immediately. You've got a community of people who, yeah. you know, you're sharing that vulnerability and the fact that you actually, by sharing vulnerability, I think you create real strength that's actually very authentic strength. And it's not just for the sake of a meme or a, a like on social media. It's actually genuinely it, something it's that's real. Making, yeah. yeah, it's real. It's real talk. It's And it's not fluffy. It's challenging. Um, you know, we're not... It was interesting because we talked about this off there and I, I saw Katie had put a post out today about man up and stuff like that and that kind of toxic stuff that people might talk about. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm on the fence a little bit because sometimes <laughs> there is a place to say to ourselves, not to others necessarily, yeah. to ourselves to say, I think I probably need to man up a little bit or whatever the language is. Yeah. 
Um, but when it becomes just for the sake of it, or mm-hmm. it, you know, people don't really understand, you know, people aren't given the, the space to speak and to be vulnerable. And this is something I learned with Team GB. You know, you take a, a high-performing group of athletes in a dressing room at an international level, who for the most part, you know, coming into that, that situation, don't get along with each other because they're playing a physical sport where they're trying to, you know, beat each other up each week, you know, because of the nature of the game. And then, and then you throw them together in the same dressing room and say, hey, we're going to try and win a gold medal here. And, and, and that's, that, that you have to really break down some barriers and you have to help the players think these things through. And, and I learned so much from working with Team GB because, you know, I'd, I'd held sales management roles and leadership roles and, there's always that little bit of a danger that we tiptoe around HR issues and we feel that we can say this and do this. And, and I suppose when I worked with Team GB, it gave me an opportunity to, to really flex my leadership in yeah. a really authentic way mm-hmm. and, and to see that shift in the players and the different dialogue. And then I thought, well, if I can do it with Team GB, why can't I do it with 20 or 30 business leaders? Mm-hmm and get them doing the same, throw them together, who are also, by the way, in competition with each other in some ways. And, 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 and all of a sudden, that, that feeling, that relaxed feeling of going, actually, this feels good to have this conversation, mm. you know, and, and be open and, and honest and, and challenge each other and, and say to each other, you know, are you being the best version of yourself here? Mm. You know, don't come into this program and moan and whine. Come into this program and, and bring your truth yeah. about yourself. And then all of a sudden people are going, oh, wow. You mean I have to do people the work? People lose their ego <laughs> a little bit because I think particularly in recruitment, a recruitment sense, there's a lot of bravado. And I think, again, that's been a slight shift where, you know, because of, you know, people, we were all forced to work remotely, whether we liked it or not. Obviously some people have to put a lot of their team on furlough. And I think, you know, there's the dialogue around what was inherently a recruitment, you know, the longest day we were longer hours than you look at us, we're doing, you know, 12 hours and then we're going out and getting drunk and everything. And I think the dialogue has shifted where it's going back to you for key. Minds have changed. Mindset yeah. and looking after our health and actually, you know what, I'm taking today off. I'm going to go and play golf or go for whatever it might be. Right. So do you think yeah. that... And not feel guilty about it. Yeah, not feel guilty. Yeah. Well, I think... I think there are a number of things that we've got to be mindful of as well from a sociological perspective is that the people that we're referring to, you know, people go, remember the eighties, you know, in the night, you know, you, you sound like someone from the eighties when you talk like, you know, work hard, play hard, you know, last one out the bar, first one in the office, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was a, we have to be mindful that this group of people are baby boomers and have come off the back of a very militant, environment you know post-war trauma you know stiff upper lip march forward keep going you know work hard work ethic um join an organization work work for 30 years get get you know all that all that whole psychological contract has been just torn up in front of us you know we've seen it happen to our parents and so i think there is a a bit of a shift in that respect that Mm. and, and and we have to be a little bit careful of that because um we can't go too far the other way because we still have to turn up and work. We still have to turn up and give a good service. We still have to, um, if we want to achieve something, we have to take action. Right. And so we can't just sort of go, well, you know, life will be fine. Cause it, unfortunately it doesn't, you know, if you don't take action, if you don't put the effort in, if you're not proactive, things start to, to unravel. But, but, but I do agree that, that, um, 
we don't have to put that level of pressure on ourselves and actually you know and, it, and it's a bit of a cliche to work smart not hard but reality is the opportunity is there and that this we got to ask ourselves why am i pushing myself so hard where's this work ethic coming from why am i driving myself into the ground and when we hold the mirror up to ourselves and start asking those questions people go oh it's, it feels a bit like therapy well yeah do the work you know do <laughs> hold the mirror up to yourself because what are you going to do just continue like this for the rest of your life or are you going to say there has to be another way here yeah than 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 doing work in this way you know you can't justify not seeing your kids from the age of one to seven and think it's just part of living life that that's not that's not a reality because life is way too short for that um you know enjoy your golf game and, and and that's what i mean that stress and burnout comes from when we feel that we we should be somewhere else yeah, no. Think, being, mind, my, being mindful in the tasks that you're actually doing. There's a very famous yeah. Mariella Frostrup phrase, which we're going back 15 years, 15, 20 years ago, even where she said that, you know, it was all about work being a working mum at the time. You know, you feel like when you're at work, you feel guilty you're not with your kids. And when you're with your kids, you feel guilty you're not in work. And I used right. to always, when I first set my business up, when my first daughter, my eldest daughter was born, it, you know that even then this is only what 16 17 years ago I felt like I had to make an excuse if I was having some time off with my daughter and I think it's just my my advice is always to, to leaders who seem to be struggling with that you know we are a meritocracy ultimately that is what is the beautiful part of our industry and I truly believe in what you've just said there I think you know you can't just coast through and expect to be you know, profitable, a market leader, hire the best people. You have to put the work in, <laughs> simply yeah. that. And by the way, that sometimes that means doing 16 hour days for a week. Yeah, of course it does. And, 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 but it's, it's do the 16 hour days, be present with what you're doing, manage the expectations at home, mm-hmm. make sure that you get up and do your meditation or your, 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 your 30 minute walk, whatever it is. Yep. And, and be proactive. And then, and then don't feel guilty the following week because you're not doing 16 hour days, yeah. you know, because you all of a sudden you've, you've created space for yourself to enjoy the afternoon every day. And, that, and I think that's when we're so in that, that intense 12 hour day, you know, when we, when we all of a sudden we work a four hour day, we go, oh, this doesn't feel right. Feel right. No, mm. but it, it is what it is. So enjoy it, you know, enjoy your afternoon and, you know, not feel that you've got to find something to do because no, that's yeah. an employee mindset, you know. It is, it's that presenteeism, isn't it? And I, I totally agree with you. And I think having, maybe it's because I'm older, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I do, I run my own business. It, it, I think having worked through the last 18 months as well, you just feel, God, you almost feel like you want to reward yourself for the time that you have. But I just think it's very simple, whether you've got a 100 person business or a three person business, just be, you know, be in the moment of what you're doing, be really focused right. on your mindset, which I think is why this, the four keys method is, I just find it, it's fascinating. Yeah, actually, I imagine it's quite, not, I don't want to say simple, but it can be quite It a is hard. simple. It is. Simple is hard. Simple, simple is hard. Is That's hard. the problem. You know, pe- people often, because I mean, I, I, I'm very public in the fact that I live a sober life now. And yeah. for me, you know, I'm single mum on my own with there's no dad around with two teenagers, you know, full on social social secretary to them, you know, running a full time business. But I still make time every single day to do at least 15,000 steps and I hit every day. And people are like, and I make my own food. I don't eat any fast food at all. And they're just like, how am I? Because I've just ensured that I've simplified everything. And when yeah. I'm doing that, I'm doing that. And I make it part of my routine. I don't have to overthink it. Well, the value, I think the contrast between 
the output of living life that way of sobriety mm. and eating well and, and training mm. it becomes it starts to really outweigh the the, the enjoyment or of having a few drinks on a Friday night versus yeah. and then a hangover on the, on the Saturday morning and the, the pain, <laughs> all of a sudden, mm. you know, the gap gets wider and wider. You go, Hey, it's much better over here. You know, mm. that's uh, I mean, a lot of people that come into our program, will we take tactical breaks from alcohol, you know, mm. 30 days, 90 days, because productivity goes up massively when people cut alcohol out. And that's certainly been my experience. I, I didn't drink a lot. I used to probably, I would say, you know, I, I never had a drink problem. It's just the majority of my problems came from drinking. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's, it was, uh, and I'd have the odd, the odd binge and, you know, I'd be ordering shots at two in the morning and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and all of a sudden you go, why, 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 why are we doing this? And I had a beer on Christmas day. I've not had a drink since. And a lot of guys, you know, in the program, they say, I, I'm not sure if I'll drink again. I really, you know, they're, and they're really puzzled by it. Yeah. They're really confused. It's, well, uh, it's so inherent in our industry. And you know, it's, it's seen as a reward. It's the social side of it. And I think people are, are just bemused, I think, by so sobriety because they think, how on earth yeah. can you have a great time? And it's like, you know, the days where you've not had a drink for a while and you feel great and you're energized and you've got a great yeah. mindset and you're not moody and you're calm. That's how life is every single day. Yeah, you're still going to have yeah. dark moments. You're still going to have very stressful moments, but you are able yeah. to deal with it. Um, yeah. and, and for me personally, it's just been a, a, an absolute revelation in terms of finding contentment every single day in what I do, because I'm mindful of everything yeah. that I do. So I just think yeah. it's for me, if people are looking to really understand their own well-being, you know, alcohol, it actually dulls your light. It doesn't enhance your light. And it turned my light I, off. I certainly recommend a break. Yeah. I mean, if you give up, you give up. I, I always say to people, don't give up. Just, yeah. just take a break. Take a 30 minute break. Yeah, take a 90 day break. Sorry, 30 minutes, 30 day break, 90 day break. And then minute break if you really and ask yourself, yeah, 30 minute break. For some people, that could be quite a long time. Could be. <laughs> the the, 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 the pre-leash, that was definitely probably <laughs> quite towards the end, I would say so, definitely. I mean, you, you, you've just, you know, you've got so much energy and I think I can see why, you know, obviously leaders across the world are, are you know, really value everything that you do and the content that you bring to the channels that you do. And, you know, your international sports background is just, it makes you very unique in that, I think the leadership and the sort of the business coach um, pool that there is, you know, there's, there's so many amazing people out there. I'm sure you've got, an, like I have a great cohort of competitors, you have too. And I think it's, but you've yeah. got a very distinct advantage. And, and I want to kind of, I guess, throw a bit of a challenging sort of thought in there that you know recruiters are often seen as these competitive you know we're gonna get to the first line I want to be the biggest I want to be the best I want to be the most profitable but actually is being competitive a quality that leaders should have as they as they look to scale and grow their teams yeah it's a that's a really good question about competitiveness and we certainly see in recruitment that there is a DNA in a high billing uh, consultant. They typically are outrageously competitive in some cases. And I'm, and I'm talking about top 10%, you know, the one that, that is just seems to be that bit further ahead. And, and again, it comes back to the question earlier, you know, why? Why, why is, what's the drive to, to, to be like this? Is it, is it to make more money? Is it something else? Um, my experience is that they, 
not the leadership isn't always the best path for the, for those people who who are just driven they come to a point maybe where they want to move into leadership or they get burnt out because it's not they, they either get um bored of the the process or you know and the money's not as important as it used to be but i think there is a pocket of people who are incredibly competitive mm. and they tend to and and then and the danger is that businesses then say can i just find 10 more like that and i'm telling you, you know you do not want 10 people like that in your dressing room because you know and often we've heard this a lot where uh they've had to let go of a top biller yeah. because perhaps they don't collaborate as well and they don't um mix with the team as well or you know and, and it's always elbows up and get into the front and and actually when you see and it's the same in sports when you see a, a consultant like that leave the business everybody can breathe and actually everyone starts to level up and it's quite and, and toxic, finds a way to, isn't it? it can be it can be i don't want to not no, no, everybody no, no, no. Yeah, but I think your question around being competitive or what what makes a business competitive, mm. and in my experience, is that the more collaborative the business is internally, mm. the more competitive the business is, rather than trying to compete, create really competitive people. So, so there is a little bit of a Darwinian element where you know we saw this at S three, you know, particularly across the brands, you know, the Huxley and Progressive and yeah. Real they aggressively competed with each other yeah but in a sense that created collaboration within and camaraderie and yeah. glue within the brands and yeah. so you had this kind of is that healthy at an individual level i mean in a sales environment you always have the leaderboard and you, you you see that and some people will thrive on that but i can even take my the, the mastermind group you know the more they collaborate the more they support each other the more they level up yeah. and i so there's something about collaboration i think being the new um competitiveness if you like and it's always been like that um i just think that perhaps i don't want to get into too much too political here but you know the misunderstanding around capitalism mm. is a misunderstanding there and, and then it gets a bad rap because of that um versus if you look at the best organizations that come from tech and all these different the way they collaborate is what makes them more effective they raise each other up yes yeah so i think that business owners business leaders should seek that out more yeah you know whether it's around the boardroom or with other companies that they might perceive as competitors there may be better opportunities to to have a conversation about supporting each other and and so on or it might be in the same sector outside so i don't know but i just think there's an opportunity there so your question is competitiveness important my experience is a competitive advantage comes from good collaboration yeah i agree and collaboration creates community and and i think that's where things have shifted slightly and it starts with it starts with you the listener you're listening to this now take on board what andrew said it starts with you and i think you can have a much more holistic approach to how to make your business more successful, but how to ensure that you're attracting the best people to your business that want to continue to raise everybody up. And it's just, I think it's just a better experience right. for everybody. God, there's been yeah. so much. I mean, my mind's like that. Wow. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Cool. We covered a lot, haven't we? we covered um, a lot. I, I think that whether you're a, a grad starting in recruitment 
or a, a seasoned CEO running a an organization, um, like you say, I think that the final thought is it starts with you. Um, focus on what you the, the people that I've I've worked with who have a, a winning mindset, if you like, you know that you know, and I don't want to contradict what I'm saying, but the, what we could because we could debate what a winning mindset is, but there are people who focus on on the positive not negative they 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 only care about things that they can control and influence rather than things that are outside the control or things that annoy them or you know so covid was a great example last year the ones that really thrived the ones said it, it, it's happening it exists yeah. what i can only focus on is what, what i can influence and and those people would have not only done better during that traumatic period but also just been happier yeah overall you know to be said for that control your yeah. controllables uh, absolutely As, and again intellectually people go yeah i get it emotional level it's hard and that's and if you're having that challenge that's that's where the work begins you know to 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 hold the mirror up and say okay what do i need to be doing more of or less of to 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 be able to deal with these situations yeah absolutely love it well look i mean we're going to make sure that all your links are attached to this episode i knew this would it would i'm just beaming because i think there's so much value in what you talked about today and thank you on behalf of everybody because your what you share is just so uplifting rewarding valuable and uh, i think you've kept our whole sector very buoyant during a very difficult time so thank you so much for joining us likewise thank you for the work you do it's awesome thank you that's brilliant